because he's good, because he's good is the title. When I get to the scripture that birthed that title, I'm going to let you know because I want you to know uh, why that is in that verse and why I kind of chose to to use that title. Everybody think about disciplines just for a minute. I've said it all during this series. Discipline is a, a doorway for your freedom. Discipline is a doorway for your liberties. Discipline is not something that is grudgingly or, uh, you know, like I'm going to resist that because of that, that nasty word disciplines. The book is called Celebration of Disciplines, and that's the spirit behind disciplines. The more disciplined that you can be in life, the more freedom and liberties you're going to I think experience. Let me give you an example. Think about anything that you've ever done good or great in your life. Did it not take discipline? Think about it. You graduated from high school or you graduated from college or you got your master's degree or doctor. I want to let you know it took discipline. If you're succeeding in your job, uh, I would say you're probably disciplined. If you got fired from your job, possibly for being late 22 times, I would call that lack of discipline. Are you feeling me? Anything that you've done that's been, you know, uh, uh, successful takes on this thing called discipline. You may go get your real estate license, but if you never do anything with your real estate license because of lack of discipline, you sleep till 11 and you go to bed at 3 and you never make any calls and you never give out a card and you never, listen, you're probably not going to be that prosperous in real estate. Are you following me? Discipline is something that leads us into freedom. We've talked about many disciplines over the last few weeks. We've talked about prayer and fasting and guidance right before the sound, prophetic guidance, biblical guidance. We talked about the power of the study, studying God's word, not just reading God's word, but studying. We, 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 we've talked about meditation, not Eastern, but biblical and Christian meditation and, and that discipline. Bobby, I hear, did an amazing job when Radian and I were actually in Hunt. Honduras, and he preached on service. Uh, if anybody can preach on service, I would say it's Bobby because he's a servant in the house of God, like a lot of other people. But I tell you what, he's a, he is a workhorse. And so, you know, I think it's cool to preach something that burns inside of you and that you're living out. We've also talked about the discipline last week of simplicity and solitude. I talked a lot about simplicity and a little bit about solitude, and I wish I would have had more time to talk about solitude. But at the end of the day, get with Jesus. Get all the distractions out and have some solitude. I actually was communicated to set up two dates of solitude that I hope to have here in the, in the near future for me personally. Today, I want to talk to you about two kind of edgy, radical disciplines. One is, you ready? Repentance, and the other is confession. Repentance and confession. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to read the scripture with me today. You're going to see these two words within these scriptures, Matthew 3, 1 through 6, talking about my buddy Johnny B., John the Baptist, eh? John the Baptist was bad, 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 bad. That brother was bad to the bone. You ready? We're going to read. I'm going to stop, interrupt a couple of times, but on three, will you read with me? One, two, three. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, stop. 
What was John the Baptist preaching? Repent. We're going to talk about that word today. That specific word in the Greek we're going to talk about. Read along with me. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now, John, I loved his clothing. Yummy. And all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan. Stop. Repenting and all, I mean, this is what John, John's preaching a message of repentance and it's uh, connected with confession. We're going to talk about maybe a little bit of the, I, I just think they're like twin brothers. They go hand in hand, repentance and confession. And he's confessing what? He's confessing, go, go with me, confessing. I think they're probably maybe like open air confessing there. I'm not sure I wasn't there, but something's radical taken. But when you, when all of Judea, Judea comes out and all the surrounding town, I mean, there's revival happening in this place. You can be seated. Thank you for saying that. A call to repentance accompanied uh, with confession. Then you're going to see Jesus. Jesus is doing something very cool. He's in a desert and he's practicing actually three disciplines that you and I have talked about. He's fasting. Everyone say fasting. He's fasting. He's praying. Say that with me, praying. And he's practicing solitude. Though he wasn't alone, angels came there. The devil came there. How many of you know that? Tempted in all ways. But he's practicing those disciplines. And then he's there 40 days fasting. He's hungry. And he comes out preaching. Now, if you are God in the flesh, and the first things that you begin to say, wouldn't you think that that would be probably of importance? Yeah. Come on, go with me, church. Well, don't you think that would be important? Yeah. Look what he says, Matthew 4, 17. From the time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same word that John the Baptist uses in the Greek. What exactly is true godly repentance? Think about that. What, what is godly, true? You hear John preaching, Jesus preaching, and other people preach it. I preach it. Other people. What is repent? What is godly repentance? Is it emotional? Does it have to be emotional? Does it bring true change? Is it walking one direction and now walking in a different direction? What is true godly repentance? That word in the Greek is metanoia. And since I said it, and I have to say some difficult Greek words occasionally, sometimes I say I'm good, sometimes I don't. But I want you to say that word with me today, metanoia. One more time. Let's do it. Metanoia. Thank you. Metanoia. Let's, let's look what it it means. It means to think differently. Repentance, metanoia. To think differently. 
or afterwards, reconsider, morally feel compunction. What is compunction? To feel like guilty afterwards. Repent. That's what that word means. Jesus preached metanoia. John the Baptist preached metanoia. Peter, after being absolutely arrested by the Holy Spirit, preached metanoia. You're going to see it in, in Acts 2.38. It says this, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that portion of scriptures, Acts 2, uh, because the New Testament church is birthed, it's birthed in power. It's not birthed in weakness. It's birthed in power, power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I mean, it's birthed in manifestations. It's birthed in signs and wonders. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Acts church to that you and I should be, amen? But he says repent. Repentance was a prerequisite of receiving the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then a chapter later or so, one of my favorite verses, I, I just want to read it because it's dealing with repentance too. In Acts 3.19, it says this, Repent, metanoia, therefore, and be converted that your sins be blotted out. And so I love this part. So that times of refreshing come, may come from the presence of the Lord. Before the sin was blotted out, before the presence of the Lord and the refreshing presence of the Lord, there was this thing called repent. I think repent just causes a person to experience God's presence, God's power, his Holy Spirit, our sins being blotted out. What causes true metanoia repentance? Is it something that you can conquer up yourself? Like, it's just, I just need to repent? Well, maybe, but I think there's some absolute biblical truths here that we can look, out, look up that actually uh, uh, causes uh, metanoia repentance. And the first one, is why I titled the title of this sermon the way that I did. The first one is because of God's goodness. His God, his goodness towards me and you that would cause me and you not to self-destruct, that God would be a way maker for you and I, that we wouldn't continue to live a jacked up life that at the end would, we would self-destruct. But God, out of his goodness, would get involved with mine in your life and cause us to do this thing called repent because he's good. Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the, look, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Everyone say goodness. 
his goodness for you. His, the goodness of God is the one what leads you and I into this metanoia that we would have a, 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 a mind change. And, and I would even say definitely a heart change because the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he that God would do a great work, a great change in, in you and I's life through his own goodness. Not my goodness, but his goodness. Uh, New Living Translation says this, through his kindness. He's so good and he's so kind that he doesn't want us to continue to live a life that's going to cause us to self-destruct. But he becomes a way, a way maker for you and I so that we can have a life that's going to be life and life more abundantly. Not continue to live a life of where the devil just comes in and still kills and tries to destroy our life. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Goodness. Number two. It's his godly sorrow that leads us to depend to repentance. Godly sorrow. There is not just godly sorrow, but there's also worldly sorrow. I want to tell you right now that worldly sorrow does not lead to repentance. Worldly sorrow does not lead to a real change, a, a mind change, a, a metanoia, a, a, a repentance, a, a true change in direction of your life because your mind is being renewed by the, by the word of God and you're being transformed. It doesn't come from worldly sorrow, but it comes from a godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10, for a godly sorrow produces, look, 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 metanoia, repentance, leading to, is it behind me? Leading to, oh, come on, that's good. It's beautiful. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world leads to can y'all kind of see the difference right there good godly sorrow and worldly sorrow all your sorrow is not good all your sorrow is not godly godly sorrow is a good thing worldly sorrow can lead you to death i'm going to give you an example in just a few minutes that really articulates the two of those and it comes from disciples two disciples sorrow that word is pretty much what you would think it means. It means grief and grievous and heaviness, sorrow, sorrow, pain, grief, annoyance, affliction of persons, mourning, feeling the tremendous, listen to this, feeling the tremendous weight of sin, guilt, and shame unto repentance produced a radical, immediate transformation in my life. That is a godly sorrow. Number three, another thing that I believe that causes true metanoia repentance, a realization of sin, a realization of sin. How many of you have realized that you are a sinner? And the rest of you, you just told a fib and now, let me declare you're a sinner. Look at your neighbor right now and just say with a big old smile, I love you, sinner. <laughs> well, you know, I could have made a mistake because I did say 
if you realize you're a sinner, because you may have not realized you're a sinner, okay? You probably will before the end of this sermon, I'm thinking. The realization of, uh, of sin, that I'm a sinner, and the realization that I need a Savior. Those two things right there will lead you, I think, to metanoia, to true repentance that, man, I need a God that can deliver me from me. That's why Jesus came. Look what he says, Matthew 13. Matthew, I'm sorry, 9, 13, B, the end of that verse says this. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus come to call sinners to repentance. Two words I want to look at right now. We're going to dive into these two words. One, I've already been saying metanoia. The other one is really, it's so amazing, really close to metanoia. But it's the word metamelomachi. You ready for that one? Here we go on three. One, two, three. Metamelomachi. Let's try this. Metanoia. And now metamelomachi. Those two Greek words are really close. I'm not this big Greek scholar, but what I want you to see is that every word in the Bible is very, very, very vital and very, very important. And you're going to see the difference of true repentance and false repentance, and how they can look really close, but they produce two radical endings, one of worldly sorrow and one of godly sorrow, one of true change and one of a vicious cycle of no change. The story that I want to use for a minute of Metamelomahi of not true repentance, or you could say complete repentance, would be this guy named Judas. Anybody ever heard of Judas before? Even people that don't go to church, they've heard of this dude named Judas. Matthew 27, 3 through 5. Judas, let me give you just a little skinny real quick so we can jump right into this verse. Judas, he had sold out, man. He sold out God. Jesus, God in the flesh, he sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He kissed him, man, turned him over. And it was, I mean, think about the sadness of that story, walking with Jesus three and a half years or so. I mean, he was the treasurer for the disciples. Jesus, some, to some degree, trusted this guy. And that's why I call him the dirty dozen. It's like, don't think they're a bunch of like halo saints in my book. I mean, I know they're saints because of what Jesus did, but uh, their stories look a little different. And so Matthew 27, 3 through 5 says this, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, look here, was remorseful. Everyone say that word with me, remorseful. You just said, meta, mello, mahi. He was Meta Mello Mahi. He was remorseful. Judas had radical emotion. 
I'm sure he felt shame and guilt and condemnation. He was sad. He may have cried. He may have came to the altar. I don't know what all he did, but I'm telling you, this guy felt remorse because you can see some of the actions he takes right now in these scriptures to say, man, there was something going on in his life. This guy almost, almost repented. Almost. It looked like he was going to repent. Let me show you. Seeing that he had been condemned was Metamela Mahi remorseful and brought back, look, brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Looks like to me, he's got to change. Here, I sold, I sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Man, this is blood money right here. Man, I sold out the God of the universe. I'm taking it back. Looks like repentance. Then it goes on to say, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And he said, what is this to us? That's what the elders said in the temple. You see to it. They didn't care. They had who they wanted. And then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And look what he said. I want you to see something here just for a minute. Back up to right where it says, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He just didn't bring back the silver. He even confessed. Say that with me, confess. He had a confession. He brings back 30 pieces of silver. He confesses what he's done. They could care less. It's blood money. He throws the silver, but I can tell you right now it was not metanoia because of the last few words in the verse. And he went out and hanged himself. Remorseful? Majorly. Emotional? Massively. Tears probably? Regret? Guilt, shame, I mean, but it wasn't true metanoia. Because if it was true metanoia, he would have never hung himself. Because it would have been, there would have been a, a mind change. I think he would have went a different direction. There would have been a heart change involved. And then you have another guy. His name's Peter. Say that with me, Peter. Let me give you an ex uh, just real quick the definition, meta melamahi, because it's real close. It even uses the word repent. It says to care afterwards, to care afterwards, regret, to care. Uh, I've already said that one more time. I'll say it one more time. To care afterwards, repent. Repent one's self. It is to care to one afterwards, repent one. It's kind of unique to repent one's self. And that's what Judas experienced because he experienced sorrow, but it, was God, it wasn't godly sorrow. It was worldly sorrow because worldly sorrow leads to death, and that's exactly where he ended. Are you following that? Very important that you see this because I want to see people get out of vicious cycles today of their life. That's not going to lead them to death. And you got this other dude. I really appreciate him. His, his mouth was shaped about like this because he would always put his foot in his mouth. And I, I've been kind of known to do that too, you know. 
And I really appreciate Peter. And Peter's, here he is. He has a, a, a real close encounter and experience like Judas. He's walked with Jesus three and a half years. Jesus is trying to tell him, hey, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to, I'm going to. And Peter's like, no way. Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Trying to wake this dude up. And he's like, hey, I will die for you. And Jesus is like, you know, honestly, Peter, you're going to hear a rooster crow three times. And on the third crow, you're. You're going to have denied, you're going to hear a rooster crow, and by that, you're going to have denied me three times. And we're not talking about three denials of some really big, like SML. What, what kind of wrestlers are on TV right now? Huh? WWE or these guys, cage, what's the cage fighters? MMA. MMA. It's not like he was surrounded with MMA kind of guys. He's being confronted by like a junior high little girl. <laughs> at like a weenie roast, man. He's out by the fire and the, the, the little girl's confronted. Aren't you one of those? And he's like, no. He does it three times. One time he starts cussing. And then on the third time, guess what he hears? <laughs> Guess what he does? I think it's only mentioned six times in the Bible. He goes and he weeps bitterly. Bitterly. He weeps. The guy just wells. All of a sudden, he has extreme emotion. I guarantee you, he was remorseful. I bet you he felt condemned and shame, and the Bible says that he wept bitterly. Now, in this verse, to be very complete, honest, it does not use metanoia or metamelomahi. It uses weeping bitterly. But there was something that took place in Peter's life that did not take place in Judas' life. Judas' life, worldly sorrow led him to death, and Peter, godly sorrow, led him to life. I believe in that moment, no, I don't believe, I know that Peter experienced metanoia and not melamelamahi. Why? Because Peter, all of a sudden, he's no longer this Simon Bar-Jonah kind of like all over the place putting his foot down his throat and saying stupid stuff. No, this guy becomes the rock. He becomes, hey, on this rock, Peter, Peter, I'm going to call you Peter. On this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Here's the keys to the, come on. I tell you what, he comes out just like guns unleashing action 238 and he preaches and 3,000 people are born again. 3,000 people filled, I mean just touch baptism gift of the Holy Spirit and the New Testament church is birthed through this guy named Peter. Why? Because I believe that he walked in true repentance. Not false. Not metamelamahi. Can I tell you what it kind of looks like in our life? Just could look like. You're living in a, a, a situation right now that it's fornication. And it's like, wow, come to church. 
And I feel very, very remorseful and sad and cry. I even go to the altar and nothing really changes. Living in an adulterous situation, you know, I feel it. Very remorseful. Guilt, shame, conduct, all that. But there's no real, real change. And you get in this vicious cycle. Porn, it's like, oh, I'm sorry on Sunday, but Monday you're faced with your computer. And it's just like sorrow and sin and sorrow and sin and sorrow and sin. And you have a lot of the same emotions as true repentance, but one's leading to death and one's that leads to life. True metanoia. True metanoia. Man, I was gossiping. I feel, I, I, I feel convicted of that. God, I turn from that to never do it again. Will you ever do it again? I'm not sure. But if you do, I guarantee you, true, I believe, true metanoia, there is going to be a resistance inside of your life. There'll be a resistance. There'll be something you may get, you may get absolutely attacked in your flesh. Come on, you may have to fight the good uh, fight of faith. There may be, but there's going to be a resistance inside. There's going to be a, the Bible says, submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. I believe true metanoia, there is a, not perfection, but there is a resistance inside of our lives to go, God, you know, I, I don't want to fall short in this area. I, I, I'm putting on the forearm, man. I'm walking this. I resist the enemy. I resist that. I resist that. I resist that. And I would say, beware if there's no resistance. God, touch my heart. Change my thinking. Help me to walk into this uh, metanoia. Are you feeling me today? J.O., you know, I'm not really, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, really a super, super, super nice person. So, uh, you, you don't know how nice I am. You're still a super nice sinner. I'm very, very kind and very generous and J.O., well, you're a super kind, very generous, nice, nice, nice sinner. And why do you say that, J.O.? Because if a person that sits in heart of the city church does not realize they're a sinner, you're living in deception. And if you die in deception, and if you die not dealing with your sin, well, I want to tell you right now, we got a problem, not Houston, but heaven. So it's important for me. I'd rather get, you know, you irritated with this bald-headed preacher a little bit that you would listen to me that no matter how nice you are, no matter how kind, we're sinners and we have to deal with this thing called sin. Our sin be blotted out through metanoia. Amen? True repentance. Let me finish this second part. I'm going to only take, I always want to take, a lot of time with both parts. And as a preacher, you find out that doesn't always work when you're trying to work on two parts, huh, Craig? Everyone say confession. confession. I want to talk about three areas of confession. Confession telling you it's powerful. 
if you want to see darkness broke off your life, if you want to see bondages broke off your life. I mean, if you're very serious about it, this thing called confession is powerful. The first confession is this. It's, it's beautiful. Confession is like the conception of your faith. Romans 10 says this. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. So that's, that's one portion of confession. Confessing unto salvation. It's so powerful. You're made in the image of God. And how God created all the heavens and earth and everything that exists is through his mouth. You're actually made in his image. And you have that ability. Your, your tongue, life and death is in the power of your tongue. Even to the confession of salvation. That's one confession. Confession number two. Coming to God boldly before his throne of grace to confess our sins, to confess our weaknesses, to confess our shortcomings. How many of you just want to live a life of condemnation and guilt and shame and all that? You can come to the Father, and Jesus has a, uh, made a way for you and I to come straight to the Father. You don't have to go through 32 priests. I'm going to tell you that right now. Jail, you back with Bible? Absolutely. You can come boldly. Now, is there a place to confess to one another? Absolutely. I'm, that's my third confession. But I want to let you know right now that you have the most awesome mediator between you and God the Father, and his name is Jesus Christ. He made a way for you. He made a way for you so that you can come to the Father. You can come right through Jesus, the one who was flawless, the one who was sinless, the one that shed his blood for you and I. You can come boldly before him, and you can confess and believe me he can take care of your sin he'll save you from the guttermost to the uttermost because that's what Jesus does back it up with scripture I sure will I want you to look at this Psalms 32 1 through 5 blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sins covered. Blessed is this is David. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute inequity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. Look what he did, what David did. Listen, this is a, Psalm 32 is a great psalm. You should mark it, underline it, circle it. I acknowledge my sin to you and my inequity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the inequity of my sin. This is David. He did this before Jesus was in the flesh and was crucified. I'm telling you, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. 1 John 1, 9. Listen to this. Everyone say if. It's conditional. If. If. You, you, can, you can struggle and live with guilt and shame, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He forgives your sin. Why would he say sin and cleanse? I think it's because of the Old Testament and the law. You ate some bacon this morning? Who ate bacon? Don't raise your hand. Oh, you did. Okay, bro. Unclean. Maybe blood. Unclean. Well, if we confess, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. How does that happen, J.O.? How can that happen without me going to priest? 1 Timothy 2.5. I hope it's behind me. Just look at that. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man... Christ Jesus. Who do you go to? You go to sin busters. You could call it the ghost busters, the holy ghost buster. But you go to sin buster and his name is Jesus Christ. Because he paid the price for you and I. He shed his blood for you and I. And I want to let you know the gospel is enough. The last one is this. Number three, it's important that you hear this one. Just hear me out. Confessing to one another. I think, man, sometimes your mind will not quiet. Your heart will not quiet. And you need to go to someone Bobby, just put your head up here for a minute. Just put your head. You need, you need like, I need to be able to touch and really talk. I need to, thank you. Just, I need to connect. I can do that because I'm bald-headed too. I need to connect. I, I, I need to t- t- connect with someone. And I believe that great healing comes. Healing of the inner man. Healing of the brokenhearted. Healing, God, I know you forgive me of my sin, but how about the guilt of my sin? How about the shame that, that's so intertwined and inside of me and, and the sensitive conscience and, and shame? And I want to let you know there's a place that you can go to a sister and a brother and trust. Listen to what James says. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He wants to heal your heart and he wants to heal your soul. The effective, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you know that you can go to a brother or a sister? Listen to this, because I know this is going to be a little edgy. But it's like going to God. Back it up with scripture. Glad you asked. I'll do that. John 20, 23. You ready for this one? Jesus is talking to his disciples, code red. says this. If you forgive sins, Peter, John, Matthew, Andrew. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Listen, there is power in confessing to a brother or sister. Dietrich Bonner said this. He writes, our brothers, dot, 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 has been given to us to help us. He 
hears the confession of our sins in Christ's deed, and he forgives our sins in Christ's name. He keeps the secret of the confession as God keeps it. When I go to confess, I'm going to God. How's that? How could that be? Look at what 1 John, 1 Peter 2.9 says. You are a chosen race and you are a royal priesthood. Amen. Two disciplines I think we should live out and practice. Repent and walk out repentance. Confess and walk out confession. Amen.